Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So you are in for a major treat with this episode because the one and only Naja Hall from Blended in Black is back. And we are diving into the hot topic, co-parenting with a narcissist. Now, first, if you are a stepmom or in a co-parenting relationship of any kind and are not familiar with Naja Hall, you need to be. She is the spunky, straight shooting creator of the highly acclaimed online community and platform for stepmoms, Blended in Black. She is a family and life coach, an author, and recently launched her own podcast called I Know I'm Crazy, which we're going to tell you all about at the end of this episode. This is her second time being on this podcast, and in episode seven, she and I shared our tips for how to co-parent with a high-conflict ex. If you have not listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you go back and do so. It is by far one of my favorites. Now, if you are listening to this, I am willing to bet that an article titled How to Co-Parent with a Narcissist or Things You Need to Consider When You're Co-Parenting with a Narcissist has graced your screen at least once, probably hundreds of times in the last little while, because it seems to be a hot topic in this space right now. Actually, it kind of seems like everyone and their mom is diagnosing their ex as a narcissist. So in this episode, we are diving right into this topic, and we are sharing our tips for co-parenting with someone who has these personality traits and what we think that you need to consider before you give out this diagnosis. Now, before we dive in, I want to give a little warning. There is some adult language in this episode, so if you have little ears around, you might want to grab some headphones. Let's get to it. Naja, you are back. I am so excited to have you on the podcast again. Hey, Jamie. What's up, girlfriend? How are you? I'm so so happy to be back. Yeah. You know what? That podcast that we did, I was just, I told everyone in the intro that if they haven't listened to the podcast episode on how to co-parent with a high conflict ex-wife, they have to go back and listen to our first podcast episode because you were A, on point on a lot of the things that you said and B, you cracked me right up. (laughs) I think that's my thing though. People, you know, I kind of give the nasty medicine with a dose of sugar in it. So it's like, okay, she's telling us some hard stuff, but she kind of makes it sweet. So it's easier to digest, you know? Yeah. Or at least funny, right? Yeah, at least. For sure. Okay. So today we're talking about co-parenting with a narcissist. And we were just talking about this offline. This is, this is like the buzz word right now. I would say, when it comes to the online step parenting space. Everybody is the N-word. Narcissist, y'all. Not nausea. Everybody <laughs> is, everybody's a narcissist. My God. Yeah. And, you know, okay. So let's actually, you know what? Let's just start and say, what is a narcissist? Okay. So I'm going to give you guys a definition of a narcissist. A narcissist is simply a person that thinks they are better than everyone. They value themselves more than everyone. They have a sense of grandiosity. That's what a narcissist is, point blank, period. So Absolutely. that can really, that sounds like half the people that I know. I mean, 
you know, like it's, it sounds like a lot of people. You value yourself. But a narcissist has an unrealistic way of looking at themselves. And that's kind of where we tend to get in trouble with dealing with them. For sure. And, you know, I was doing some research before we hopped on our podcast because this actually is an area that I haven't really tackled myself. It's not a blog post that I've written, all that, because, A, I feel like everyone and their mom is writing it about it. So there's no need to reinvent the wheel. But also, you know, other characteristics are they're selfish, they're manipulative, they lack empathy or, you know, their ability to put themselves in other people's shoes. And mm. they really, you know, are all about getting their own way and have kind of no awareness and no insight into the repercussions of their actions. So they, they just don't feel any shame or remorse. Absolutely. They're, they have they have the inability to experience empathy. That's right. a very powerful thing. They literally don't have it in them. They yeah. do not, and they never will. The thing about it, a narcissist never will. Now they can learn to mimic empathy. They can learn to mimic compassion. And they can almost trick you into think they've gotten better, but once a person has been diagnosed, and I'm sure you're going to talk about that in a little bit, then that's it, y'all. This is who you're dealing with. Accept it. This is who they are. Right. And you know, that's the thing though. So you're saying diagnosed because a narcissistic personality disorder, like that is a full on personality disorder that people need to be diagnosed with. So there is a difference between having this personality disorder, which is a mental health issue mm-hmm. and having narcissistic tendencies or personality traits. And I think that's where people are really getting confused on the internet right now. Like everyone and their mom is diagnosing their ex as being a narcissist. And oh Lord, it's out of control. Mm-hmm. I personally, it really think. is. It is. You know, when I see that word so callously thrown around, I think it's very ins- irresponsible of all of us. I'm including myself as well. It's, it's irresponsible to, to think that you have the capacity to diagnose a person with something so serious. You know, you don't, you're not, you don't, you can't diagnose me with being diabetic or having a certain type of cancer. So a personality disorder, yes, you've experienced this person's personality, but very few of us are actually therapists and have gone through tons of education, tons of schooling to realize that, okay, this person is it. Now, what you can do is go to WebMD and Google, like we all do, <laughs> and be like, hey, that sounds like so-and-so. I'm going to slap this label on them. That's very dangerous and irresponsible, though. Yeah, for sure. And you know what it does, especially when you're in a co-parenting relationship, or even if you're in a tricky, high-conflict relationship with anyone in your life, when you go ahead and you label them as a narcissist, it almost takes away any blame or, or sorry, any responsibility that you have for the dynamic of your relationship. And I look at the way people co-parent and man, it's stressful. Like co-parenting and dealing with exes and all of those things that we talk about all the time. It makes us all a little crazy. I think we can all admit that. It ain't for the faints of heart. If you, like I would tell any woman that would ever come to me like, oh my God, Nasha, I love this guy, but he has kids. And you know, the ex is kind of, honey, I would tell any woman to run, run for, put on your Reeboks or whatever you wear and run fast because it, it changes you. Being in a high conflict situation, dealing with a high conflict co-parent. I mean, heck, like Jamie said, even just the art of co-parenting, it changes the fiber of who you are and who you have to be and who you've learned to be. It challenges you in ways that most people fail because they just can't seem to grasp what what is supposed to happen with the newness of this, this part of their life. Right. And, you know, I was on Instagram the other day and I actually wrote this post. It was Darren. It was the anniversary of Darren and I's 
first date. And we celebrate it every year. And you know, it's, it's our special thing. And How long did you guys date before you got married? Oh, like five minutes. Oh. <laughs> no, okay. that's an exaggeration. But we moved super quickly. Well, he's older okay. than me, right? So yeah. I wasn't going to waste any time. Like the man's getting yeah. older. If we want to have a life together, we got to do it. Okay, but okay. yeah, we started dating in March. We moved in together in July. We were engaged in October, married in June, pregnant in August. And then after all of that settled, I was like, what happened to my life? Everything totally changed. But I was saying that day was the day that my life was no longer simple. The day I decided to go on a date with yep. a man with kids, my life, all the simplicity of my bachelorette life was gone. <sighs> Literally my exact story. I mean, we didn't move as fast as you guys, but same thing. You know, one date, I was like, oh, he's cool. Oh, okay, wow, you got you got three kids? Dang, it's just me. Okay, boom, explosion happened. So yeah. it's, you know, I, I, which is why me and you probably do what we do now. Like, this is our job now because it takes, it, it changes you and you kind of want to help other people through it. Absolutely. What do I, I think I always say it's character building shit like this stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you really are ready to learn the lessons and do the work, it really is character building. And, but in order to learn the lessons and to get to the point where I think that you and I are at most of the time, I, we're n- none of us are perfect, yeah. but is that you need to be able to take ownership and control of your life. And when people are constantly yes. calling other people narcissists or, or saying, you know, these labels about other people, it's you, you don't have the ability to do that. And at the end of the day, it's really important to remember too, you are experiencing them in a very high tension situation. So that Mm -hmm. may not be how they act and react in all of their life. You know what? Maybe they are, maybe you are co-parenting with a narcissist. There are tons of people who actually are, but I think our message here is, you know, it's so important to really think before you use that word because it is a strong word. It is. At one point, I remember speaking to a client of mine and I remember just asking her to think. I said, let me just evoke some thought here. I said, just you tell me that your stepchildren are awesome. They're well-dressed. They're well-mannered. They call you by the name that you've asked them to call you. They are happy when they come around. And it seems that their mother has friends. She has a relationship. She has people that really actually like her. However, she's a witch in your life. I said, so let's take you out of it for a minute, for a moment. You're judging her based on the experience with you. So she's a, I can't even call her a narcissist. She's harsh to you. You guys have a high high conflict situation. I said, however, can somebody really raise these well-balanced children, have well-balanced relationships with everybody else and, but it's just you. I said, so no, this person is more than likely not a narcissist. She's just a bitch to you because she doesn't like you. Like you guys <laughs> don't like each other. Absolutely. So we really have to compartmentalize uh, the ugliness of these situations with these people and ask ourselves. And a lot of us don't want to think about somebody really liking these these women that treat us bad. You're like, oh my God, you know, we it's safer and easier for us to see her as this consummate witch. Holy, she's a witch. But nah, girl, it's just you. And it's situational. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard of situational depression. Like when you're grieving, someone just dies. You go into a depression for a few months. That doesn't mean you are a depressive personality. That means there's a situation here that's brought uh, this out of you. So it's kind of the same thing. So, so a lot of you guys that are listening to this, it's probably situational. For sure. Like, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going through the list here, you know, lack of empathy, 
I know mm. there's lots of people in my life who I feel like don't put themselves in other people's shoes. Manipulative. Absolutely. Mm. I have so many people Ooh. in my life where I could say that was pretty manipulative. Mm. Selfish. Again, you know, these are very general traits that yes. people of all different personalities, all different situations, all different experiences portray. So, you know, just because you can go through a Google search and say, oh, yeah, they do this and they do that. <laughs> Diagnose narcissistic Girl, personality yeah. disorder. Hey, I'm like, you really just diagnose a person. Yeah, it can, come on now. Like I said before, it's it's irresponsible. And one thing that we all should do, especially one thing that I teach is let me look in the mirror and fix me. What about me? What what can I fix so that I'm not as bothered when this person does come in and try to antagonize me or they send a nasty text message or a stupid email or they disrespect my spouse or they make their children disrespect me. What can I do to, to protect myself? Because, you know, you got to put on the armor around yourself because a lot of times, like, that's what you have to do in everyday life. You literally need to walk around with this armor. And ladies, this is your life now. Accept it and suit up. That's what you're going to have to do. You got to suit up. For sure. I could not agree more. I've been watching Game of Thrones a lot. So that's why I'm making the armor references, by the way. I'm catching up. I'm binge watching Game of Thrones. So so good. I've never watched it. I, I should definitely. Yeah, you know, I, I just, need a new I, Netflix show for sure. Oh my God. You'll, you'll, you'll love it. I'm addicted. Okay. So. so let's talk about suiting up though. So how <laughs> yes. do you think that stepmoms should suit up? Like, what do you think that they need to do to protect themselves from whether it's a narcissist, whether it's a high conflict situation, or maybe you're just in a really tough period in your co-parenting situation right now. And when you get those text messages or those emails, you feel like you're consumed all day. Like, like it doesn't have to be okay. dealing okay. with a narcissist. How, how do you suit up? Oh my God. So when I'm getting ready to do something strenuous, let's say uh, run a marathon, I've never done that before, but when I'm getting ready to do something that requires more of me than what I think I have to give at the moment, I stretch, I get myself ready, I prepare. I like one of those things, I protect myself, I suit up. And so how I do that, the first thing in self-protection is reaffirming who the hell you are. You are not these things that she's calling you. You are a good person. You do deserve to be in this marriage. You're a damn good stepmother. You're a great wife. In fact, you're a much better wife to him than she was. You have an example from her of the type of wife you don't want to be. So, I mean, thank her for that. But beyond that, keep her at a distance. You suit, you protect yourself by keeping those things that are meant to tear you down the hell away from you. That means you don't look at any text message. I used to be in the habit back in the day when we would get a text message or whatever. My husband would actually. What did it say? What did, and now, honey, I am completely oblivious. My thing now is tell me everything that concerns me and my household. If it's going to come out of here, if it's going to bother me or disrupt my life, yes, I need to know. But I don't need to know about every petty little you left the underwear here and I need this. I don't need to know about that because Miss Naja is far too busy to be concerned about Spider-Man underwear. And so are you, girlfriend. So are you. So you have to remove yourself from a lot of it because let your man handle that. Let him handle that. And if he's coming to you, making you his repository for all this crap that he's dealing with, with his child's mother, you got to ask your man to stop. Don't right. do me like that, honey. And especially when that is affecting you. If it's if you feel like yes. the stuff that's going on is affecting you in a negative way or you feel like you're consumed by it all day, because I feel like there's a difference too when there is a lot of tension or a high conflict situation. I feel like women, we internalize it and we think about it and we mull it over and we're consumed by it for the day. Yes. Whereas our husbands can come and kind of give us an update on what's going on 
and then they can move on to the next topic. Like they don't consume and stew the way that we do from my experience and from, you know, what I hear from other stepmoms. So if Mm -hmm. you are having those conversations and you feel like the drama from your co-parenting situation is preventing you from showing up as the best version of you, then it's time to take a step back. And I don't think that that has to be a permanent thing either. I think it can Mm -mm. be for a period of time. Like there have been times in our situation where I have been like, you know what, I'm going to need to back my truck up here. And can you let me know on a need to know basis? Let me back myself up in my own lane, as we're told. (laughs) Like you have that lane. You have it. It's yours. You own it. Use it. For sure. And, you know, I do think, you know, different stepmoms have different roles in their step family dynamic. And that's where I sometimes get some backlash when we're saying, you know, such black and white rules for step parents. You know, you and I both have a very different role with our stepchildren in turn. Like you guys live in different countries, or sorry, not different countries, different states or cities, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it requires some travel. It's not that everyday homework back, like all of that kind of stuff, right? You know, I'm I'm there traveling 1,200 miles twice a month for six days at a time. And so it's very expensive because we have to rent two homes, well, three homes. Um, and so we are doing school runs. We did school run yesterday, but the dynamic is so different than the every other weekend stepmother. And I was, I was that at one point, at one point I was a completely 1000% alienated stepmother. So I've probably experienced every single piece of it that everyone here that's listening. And to go back on something you said, Jamie, you said, um, we internalize it as women. We internalize things differently. And our man does y'all know who else internalizes stuff differently. The mother for sure. She can send a scathing text. And the reason I know this is because I have a lot of clients that you know, depending on what you say, some people say bio mom, some people say mothers. I don't want to offend anybody, but whatever you call a biological mother, I have a few of those as clients. So I have a special insight and what they'll say is nausea. Yeah. I'll go and send a scathing text message and tell him how he's awful. He's a deadbeat. I can't stand his fat, ugly wife. And she said, but then I'll go back to my own duties. So while your ass is over here, pissed off for 24 hours, this woman has literally come and sent this text message messed up your entire day and she's moved on happy and jolly. Please consider that next time you're pissed off for a long time, you're so bothered now. And she's dropped this little nugget off in your ear and she's gone about her day. That doesn't make her a narcissist. That just means she's a mean person, mean, for, nasty person, or just rude, you know, for sure. But don't and you let know, it consume you. no, because it, it affects how you show up for your family too. It and does. that's the thing. If you are letting the issues that come up with your step family life, you know, consume you and impact your whole day, it impacts the way that you show up for your stepkids when they're there or for your husband. And yeah. if you feel like and that, and so that's the thing I want to hone in here, because there are times when I'm 100% involved in a lot of the stuff that's going on, because that's what works for our family in that situation, right? That's yeah. in that time period. That's when that works for us. But- There's also times when it's impacting my ability to show up for my people, then I have to take a step back. And so that's where it's really important to know you can, there there are ebbs and flows in step family life. And there are periods of time where you can play a different role and it is absolutely okay to take that step back. I think a stepmother has, or should have the unique ability to be very malleable because 
Sometimes you will be the leading lady. Sometimes you'll be a stagehand. Sometimes you won't even be in the building and you have to be able to be flexible. But then the people, your support system, your husband, stepchildren, your biological children, they also have to understand that as well. You're in a very unique position and the people that can put the most pressure on you. So you, you, when you do start to feel crowded and you're failing is probably your man. I will not be expected to be a babysitter. I ain't doing it. That's not, I, I'm not doing it. I won't be, ex- you know, that I don't have legal, any sort of legal rights to my own stepchildren, meaning I don't make medical decisions, um, things with their academics. However, I am a good support in their life. And so I maintain that position. But when I see that it's stretching me beyond beyond my own boundaries, I step back. And I that does not make me a bad person. That makes me an excellent stepmother, as a matter of fact, because they do have very two very active, really good parents. For and sure. I appreciate that about them. Right. And you just have to do what works best for you. And I guess, you know, yeah. we're kind of getting off track, but it's like that armor that comes from setting those boundaries, doing what's best for you and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And I know what we all say, make sure you're taking care of yourself, make sure you set your boundaries. And it can sound so fluffy, but it seriously is so true. Okay, I'm going to interrupt this podcast episode for just one minute because I want to make sure that you know about the free guide that I just released. So this one is for anyone who is dealing with a high conflict ex. Look, in a perfect world, our co-parenting relationships would be all hearts and sparkles. Everyone would be able to put their emotions aside, realize that you're on the same team, and actually act in the best interest of the kids. But unfortunately, that's just not always the case. Now, it is important to remember that we all see the world through a different lens and have different perspectives based on our individual experiences. But unfortunately, sometimes when you're co-parenting, you need to deal with the lens and the different perspectives of a high conflict personality, and that can be tough. So in this free download, I share my tips and strategies for co-parenting with this type of personality, from how to keep the drama from impacting your marriage to how to set boundaries and actually stick to them. If you've been struggling in the co-parenting department, you'll want to check this out. So you can download your copy of this guide at www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash high conflict So the other thing we wanted to talk about, we were coming up with these little tips on how to co-parent with a narcissist. And we'll get into this more on, an, on another collaboration that we're doing, but don't engage and set boundaries and stick to them. And that's Do not narcissist. Not no. What's the quote? I use it all the time. It's like silence is the best last word. It really is. Especially with when you, you know, and getting back to, we all know the definition of a narcissist. I'm pretty sure we all have it memorized at this point. But when you're dealing with any sort of high conflict situation, you're not going to change their mind. If they send you something nasty or say something nasty, there's no prolific words that you can say to this person. God's not going to put some magic in your mouth and throw it into their ears. And they're like, oh my God, you're so right, Jamie. I am a bad person. I, they're not, that's not going to happen. You're not going to change your mind and how they look at you and vice versa. So as Jamie said, do not engage. And it's tricky because you're going to want to, because they're going to hit you below the belt. They're going to trigger you. They're going to say anything that they can to get a reaction out of you. So you have to starve the narcissist starve them to death. And on top of that, you have once you put those boundaries in, and this is dealing with anyone in a situation like this, they're going to push them. 
right? It's like the bully on the playground. They're going to push them. They're going to try to push your buttons even more. They're going to come in through a different angle. So when you put those boundaries in place, expect things to heat up for a bit, but that's where it's so important to be consistent because the longer you're consistent and the more they don't get the reaction that they're hoping for, that's when maybe they'll back off or maybe the situation will change. They call that going to another source. The narcissist must have a source. And for a while, it's you because you're giving them everything they need. You're giving them attention. You're combating them. You're allowing them to, to be at war with you. But when you stop, like Jamie said, just stop. You are no longer their source and they're going to stop coming to you because they're not getting what they need. They'll find someone else. Trust me. They already got five or six lined up. It just ain't going to be you. Right. And, you know, I do want to point out. So I've had a stepmom say to me, you know what, when we don't engage or we don't respond, we get, we get these allegations that we're no longer communicating for the best interest of the kids and all of that. So what I have, (laughs) what I have recommended that people do is if they're going to change the way that they're communicating with the ex or anyone, you know, in these situations is maybe send out just a quick email or a quick letter. So it's on paper and say, moving forward in an effort to decrease unnecessary conflict and act in the best interest of the kids, I will no longer be responding to A, B, and C. And I will only be responding to issues that pertain to the kids. Please only contact me through email or family wizard or whatever mode of communication you choose. So you clearly outline those boundaries. You clearly outline your intention and you let them know what you will and will not be responding to so that if they do want to come back on you and say that, you know, make these allegations that you're not communicating for the best interest of the kids, you have this documentation to say, no, I am doing this to minimize conflict so that I can act in the best interest of my kids. A narcissist would love to get a letter like that. You know, they they chew it up and spit it out. They make a paper airplane out of that letter. And as soon as you send it, which I I also recommend sending something just as documentation for yourself, but they're going to wipe their asses with it. They're going to be like, (laughs) yeah, right. They're going to be like, not talk to me. And then, you know what, you're going to get a fiery response. Oh, my God. They're going to talk about their wedding day and when they made the child and when they had the baby and how much they go through and how jealous you are and how much money they don't get. Oh, my God. Like you're going to get like this Bible of all of the things that they have probably been repeating to you over the years anyway. But ignore it. Ignore it because you said your piece. And you have to take the lead when you're dealing with these types of personalities. You are in control, believe it or not. If you let a narcissistic personality be in control, that's kind of like letting your toddler run your damn house. Oh you're my letting, gosh, so good. You're letting a person with no emotional intelligence, very low emotional intelligence, no sense of empathy, who is completely self-absorbed, run you, your house, your temperament. So now you're not going to let this toddler run your house. So yeah, you say, hey, honey, I've spoken. Now go to your room. And you send her behind to her room meaning you're not responding to texts, emails, you're keeping her in a little small box, push her away. And when you need to speak to this person again, for whatever it is, God bless you when you do it, then you go back and you open it up, you say your piece and you go on. Keep it business-like. Straight up. I know y'all ain't going to keep it business-like at first. You know, that's why you listen to us right now. You're not going to do it (laughs) because I didn't do it at first. I did not do it. Oh my God, honey. I got some textbooks, not a text, but a whole book that I've typed out. What I would do back in the day when I got something crazy, I would just go to my email and light up my keyboard. I mean, my keyboard would be on fire. fire. (laughs) (laughs) You stupid bitch. And you know what? I just left it in drafts because that made me feel better. I knew that I would never send that because it's not a representation of who Najah Hall truly is. 
That person that was lighting up that keyboard was a woman who allowed someone else to control her temperament temporarily, but I didn't send it. And so that gave me a little bit of my power back because I said, you know what, Naja, you don't have to send this. This person has these scathing things to say to you, but they don't have one piece of evidence, one letter, one text message where you're going back and forth with them. Absolutely. And you know, what's good is that's such a great strategy is just writing a letter or writing a text or responding, Mm -hmm. but making a point to not send it. And I'm all about the 24 hour rule. And I talk about it all the time. So if you need to get some stuff out, go respond, go respond however you would want to respond, say what you need to say, keep it in draft, keep it in the notes section on your iPhone, wherever you need to keep it. Maybe it's in a journal. And then 24 hours later, decide if you're going to send that or not. Cause typically 24 hours later, when emotions have cooled down, you realize that sending that is just going to add gasoline to the fire. It's going to be all bad. You know, I put together all of my drafts. I was like, you know, Naja, you should publish this and make it a book and sell it. But it was just <laughs> too bad. <laughs> that were, it was it was just too bad but I'm like I was like dang this is awful this is some awful stuff but it's just how I was feeling at the moment but just yeah. imagine if you send that to a person and then years later you have to go back and read it or your children read it or your stepkids read it because right. they will soup that low they'll let the kids see it and then what are you looking like you everything that she said about you is now validated because she was able to take you there she was the puppet master and you were the puppet For sure. And, you know, I do want to throw in a little disclaimer here. We're not just saying it's, you know, ex-wives who are narcissists. There's plenty of men who have these characteristics. It's it's just kind of that's just what we're used to talking about because of our platforms. But, you know, this is anyone in your life. So co-workers, parents. I just did an entire talk on how to deal with a narcissistic mother. I mean, narcissists are everywhere around us. There's some people listening to this right now that definitely have narcissistic traits. They can't identify it in themselves because, you know, the narcissist is unable to have that type of self-awareness. But, you know, that was that was a tough statement to make. But it's true. For sure. And, you know, whether they have traits, whether they have the level of narcissism, whether they are just having these traits when they're dealing with you in your situation, or maybe they have the full on personality disorder. These are awesome tips to deal with anyone who's just difficult to deal with. So we said, don't engage, set boundaries, stick to them, minimize the need for communication. So that's also when you can outline exactly how you're going to parent together in an agreement, that is such a great tool for minimizing the need for communication because you don't need to talk about anything. Outline, and I've said this before, who's doing what? Who is taking care of appointments, the back to school stuff? Who's signing kids up for sports? How do you handle finances? All of those things. And typically someone who's, you know, high conflict is going to not listen to those rules and you probably are going to have conflict. Toilet paper. That piece of paper is going to be balled up and what did I say is going to (laughs) happen? But at least it's it's there. Right. I would suggest even if you have a pretty smooth co-parenting relationship, you know, and you're getting ready to split, even if it's smooth now, spell out everything, dot every I and cross every T because you just don't know what's going to happen later. For sure. And then, you know, parallel parenting, that is an option. You know, we use the term Mm -hmm. co-parenting very loosely, but you know, you don't have to, she does not have to have a role in your house and you don't have to have a role in her house. You guys can have your own rules, your own way of doing things and minimize the need for communication. You can parent completely separately. Mm, Such a great thing. And if if the stress level is too high, absolutely. Now there's a lot of times that a person that's a narcissist, or is that what we're calling Jamie? We're just referring to the personality disorder. I don't the know. Are we, an, 
Are we being hypocritical? I think we are. But instead of saying, hey, guys, we didn't Google this and we don't want you to say they're narcissists, but we're going to call on that. So, okay, (laughs) a person that's high conflict. Or narcissistic traits. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's that's not hypocritical. They're not going to respect the boundaries of court order. They're definitely not going to respect your boundaries. They don't care about their children's boundaries because they're enmeshed with their children. And so they're not going to really respect it. But you do have these things in place to protect yourself and your home and your family. The parallel parenting can absolutely work with a high conflict person over time. Initially, they're going to show up at your house. They're going to come by. They're going to email. They're not going to. But then it's up to you to respond. And once you train them, you have to train them, y'all. Once you train them and show them that you're not going to get this reaction out of me. So take that BS elsewhere. Don't do it. I promise you they will do it, y'all. They will absolutely do it. You get to decide how you allow people to treat you. People do not understand that enough. You set your boundaries. You decide what you will and will not respond to. You decide your own reactions. You decide the dynamics of the relationships that you have with people. There's a lot of things that they do that you cannot control, but you can control the type of relationship that you have. And if you need it to be healthy, you set those boundaries to make that happen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. This, I mean, that's such a great thing. You have to control it because you're not running a thing in their household. People with these types of personalities, and I wish I could just let you guys in on one of these conversations that I'll have with people with these personalities. They literally will have you pissed off for 24 hours and they'll know that they have you upset because you're back and forth responding with them. But they're out having mimosas with their girlfriends. They're working on a paper. They're at work. They're at the gym. Like this is entertainment for them. You have to, if if you can just grasp this concept of what I'm saying, of how lightly they see this versus how it dishevels you then you would be unbothered as heck by the antics. But it takes a lot of training, like mental, you got to run some emotional laps to kind of get yourself in that place. And you know, when I was doing kind of my Google searches this morning, (laughs) the difference between someone who has a narcissistic personality disorder versus someone who has the characteristics is someone who's actually diagnosed with this personality disorder is Mm -hmm. actually extremely insecure. They don't have a lot of self-esteem and that was the huge difference. So it's, it's this mask that they put on to compensate for how they're truly feeling deep inside. Whereas someone who has these narcissistic tendencies, they don't care. Like they are, you know, very secure. They have those grandosity or whatever the word is, their personality traits, all of that. They don't care. They don't have that reaction. So that's actually the difference between the personality disorder and someone who has the tendencies. Yeah. If you want to develop a sense of compassion for that person in your life, then I'm sure you have some insight as we spoke about before, Jamie, to their childhood and some of the traumas that they've experienced. And none of us made it out of childhood okay. You know, we all are a little bit kooky. Everybody got a little touch of crazy in them somewhere. And so if you know and you have insight about this person, then yeah, if you want to be compassionate, you're like, okay, wow, they, they do act like this because this, this, and this happened to them. That doesn't affect how it makes you feel on a day-to-day basis though, but it does help you to kind of impart some compassion in there. And maybe it'll make you not respond because I, Naja Hall will not fight with a toddler. I just won't do it. I'm bigger, better, faster, and stronger and smarter. I can run circles around them emotionally. You can run circles around that narcissist emotionally because like Jamie said, they're empty people. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't have it. They have no sense of self-worth or they have a very skewed sense of who they are and it's untrue. 
And, you know, I had someone, because when it comes down to empathy, I had a stepmom reach out to me, or maybe they commented on something on Facebook, and I was encouraging everyone to just take a moment. If you're struggling with your husband's ex or someone in your life, take a moment and just put yourself in their shoes and think about Mm. life from their perspective. And the response was something along the lines of, how am I supposed to be empathetic towards someone who's decided to, you know, desert their children or who is doing drugs or who's making, you know, these very toxic choices? And you can still be empathetic to choices that you don't agree with because people for the most part are hurting. They are struggling. And a lot of times they want change, but they can't do it. And like, that's not everyone who's dealing with a narcissistic personality and that kind of thing. But, you know, just dealing with people who are high conflict or who are just even toxic in general, everyone has a story and a reason why they're acting the way they are. And everyone is struggling in some way, shape, or form, right. even though we don't understand it and even though we don't agree with it, everyone does have their shit. And I think most people want to be better. I do really believe that even yes. you know someone who's an addict, they may every day wake up and really, really want to implement change in their life. I they worked don't. at Children's Aid. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I dealt with a lot of people who had addictions and who had issues with their ability to parent and, you know, perhaps they had lost their children. And I know when I had conversations with them, they were wholeheartedly, what they were saying was the truth. They wanted to change. They wanted to get clean, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't get to that place. But that doesn't mean that that's not their struggle. Addiction is a very intense thing because a lot of us are addicted to the chaos that we have in our lives right now. You don't really, you're so used to it. You become so accustomed to this person's going to call me a name or this person's going to make me feel this sense of anxiety. So before they even open their mouth and say anything to you, you are, you have now been conditioned because you're already high, strong. You're already triggered because of this awful situation. You've been conditioned to be in that place of expecting chaos. And so I I, I personally think a lot of us are addicted to the anxiety. At one point, you could have never paid me to think that I would be able to have a civil conversation or things that would be calm or even happy or sitting in the same room. Like never, because I was so addicted to it because it's safer to have that expectation. A lot Mm -hmm. of us don't want to take the risk of saying, well, things could be okay one day because you can't fathom what that looks like. Yeah. And to go back to what we were saying about just assuming someone's a narcissist or deciding that they are yourself, when you do that, you're preventing yourself from implementing that change. You are preventing yourself from getting to the place where maybe people can get over their hurt feelings or learn different strategies or process the hurt and grief that came from the demise of the relationship. When you put these labels on people, narcissist, high conflict, whatever label we're using on the internet today, that prevents you from moving forward. It truly, truly does. Yes. It's tough to show compassion. And the thing that we talk about with narcissists, they have a the inability to show empathy. So this is where you have to stretch yourself in order to super empathize with this person. And once you sit there and you say her name, don't say kids, mom, don't say bio mom. You say Carol, Janet, Jennifer, Jamie. I don't know why I'm naming all these J's. Say her name because she is a human being. She's a person that is hurting. Oh and then you gosh. sit list out some you list out some good things about this person. And I know this is the painful part because there's a piece in my book where I force you to do this. And I was getting screenshots from women. They're like, Naja, I can't finish this page. I said, honey, this is part of your process. So you say her name because that means that means she's human now. That means she's somebody's baby. That means she 
is probably hates her cellulite just like you do. And she has bad craps just like you do. This woman is not that much different from you, but she's had some life experiences that have made you see her in the worst possible light. Because oh not that every- is so good. Yeah. And so this is a part of it where you de- you humanize this person. You say her name. You list great things about her. You may be, I'm sure you've gone to look at her social media, girlfriend. Don't act like you haven't. So <laughs> you see people congratulating her. You've seen accomplishments in her life. Or maybe she is a person that's troubled. This is where you develop a major sense of compassion because you could be possibly raising her children and you have to explain to them how to have compassion for their mother. So now they're not walking around these broken individuals who have, I don't have a mom syndrome. So you really, you got to step it up and have a major sense as a stepmother, major sense of compassion and empathy for this person. Humanize her in your own eyes. And you have to admit to yourself, she used to be with my man. My man loved her at one point. I don't care uh, what he tells you about her now. But these are things you have to admit to yourself. And a lot of us can't get over that hump because we are not challenging ourselves to humanize this woman. Oh my gosh, that is so good and such a good strategy. And it's important and hard. It's so hard, Jamie. I did it with myself and I was like, oh, that's the hard part. That it's difficult because it's easy to see her as a monster or this inanimate object. But when you start to see something as human, someone as just like me, then you have to face your own fears and you have to face some of your own traumas and some of these things that are deeply hidden within yourself. All of that stuff is going to be on earth and it takes work to do that. Oh my gosh. And you know what? This is a hard message to hear. This is, a, I know yeah. there's going to be stepmoms listening to this and they're gonna be like, are you yeah, kidding girl. me? This is yeah. not what I thought you guys were going to say. <laughs> it's, yeah. But if you want change in your life, you have got to make change in your life. That's the bottom line. And I think, you know, even you, though you and I have different platforms, we talk about different things. At the end of the day, all the struggles are the same. And that message is consistent between both of us. Like yes. it's on you, girl. It's on you. It's all on you. Dealing with a narcissistic ex, dealing with a high conflict co-parent, dealing with a deadbeat that that we're dealing with. Who's dealing with it? You are. So that means you got to change somewhere. You have to change your outlook because you're never going to change that person. They are who they are. You have to be malleable. You have to be the one to change and don't change for the worse. Don't adopt their habits and be like them. You change to be better. So good. Okay. Thank you so much, Naja. Okay. So you have a podcast. I don't want to wrap this up before we tell everyone about your podcast. Girl, yes. Girl, I have a podcast. So I have a podcast. It's called I Know I'm Crazy. Because as I mentioned earlier, we all have a little touch of something lurking around in us. And these situations that we're in seem to bring those out. You're like, oh my God, do I? Am I? Do I? Maybe I. Like you should, if you're a smart person and you're a a balanced person, these things kind of make you question yourself too. And so my podcast is called I Know I'm Crazy because I'm talking to experts. We're talking about divorce, co-parenting, step-parenting, high conflict drama, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. Mental illness. You know, I have a person on this season of the podcast who has borderline personality disorder and he claims to have cured himself. I'm talking to addiction treatment specialists. As a matter of fact, the first episode that's up right now is with an addiction treatment specialist because he's teaching us how to get rid of our addiction to chaos. And so, you know, we're digging real, real, real deep. And I do cuss a little bit on the podcast, just warning you guys. Hey, I'm not against a good swear word. (laughs) Yeah. So it's called I Know I'm Crazy and it's available everywhere. 
Awesome. I'm going to link it below. I'm going to link all of your contacts. I'm going to link all things Naja, Blended in Black for everyone. Thank you so much for coming back on, Naja. As always, it's... Jamie, you know, girlfriend, listen, me and you could do this every day. Come on now. You don't have to thank me at this point. Just call me and be like, Naja, let's talk. And you know I'm here. For sure. Okay. Until next time then, Naja. Thank you, my sister. Have a good one, ladies. Love you all. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.